0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. We're going to be continuing our study in the book of Revelation, and we're going to be picking up steam. We're going to finish chapter 13 today, good Lord willing, and uh, our next time we'll finish 14, and then the next time we'll do two. We'll we'll try to get through 15 and 16, and uh, we're coming to the climax of the book, which is the second coming of Jesus Christ. So let's review here from uh, chapter 13, not sure why that's formatted in that fashion, but anyway, today's the day of technical difficulty apparently, <laughs> uh, it's not Sam's fault by the way, that's that's either me or the new computer, that's not, so don't, don't blame him, um, we saw a wild beast coming out of the sea in uh, the first part of Revelation 13, now it's kind of a, uh, an unfortunate thing. Most of us refer to this beast as the Antichrist, but really he's not even referred to as the Antichrist in, this, uh, in Revelation, interestingly enough. He's called the beast. Uh, he's got a lot of titles, man of sin, son of perdition, and so forth. But um, anti doesn't mean uh, against, but it means in place of. So one of the things I want you to be aware of or cognizant of as we go through is how, how many times that Satan is trying to counterfeit uh, what God's doing. He's trying to counterfeit. and So just be aware of that as we go through our text. And uh, we saw a beast. this beast had ten horns and uh, seven heads. And, uh, and Laurie said, that's what I look like in the morning when I get up <laughs> before I've had my coffee. <coughs> but, uh, but he has ten diadems on his, uh, on his horns. And this is the ten-nation confederacy in the end times. Now this beast is a composite of all the other beasts. That Daniel saw, and that's why he sees the leopard uh, qualities, the bear, and and the lion. It's because he's uh, this guy's like all of the the worst of the worst rolled into one, if you can imagine. Uh, he he recovers from a fatal wound, and that's going to become a very uh, dominant theme here in in, in the next few uh, verses. He recover and and all the world is going to wonder after him because they think he's immortal. He's uh, he's. He's counterfeited the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now he's going to continue for three and a half years. And he's going to blaspheme God and those who dwell in heaven. He's granted authority to overcome the tribulation saints. This is not the church. But these are the tribulation saints. And all the earth dwellers are going to worship this beast. Um, So that's our review of the last time. And before we get into our study this morning, I'm going to ask Preacher Larry if he'll pray for me and pray for all of us that we can from the Spirit.
1: Let's tag
0: team this thing together this morning. So let's go to Revelation 13, and I'm going to let Mark read the verses, and I'm going to give the commentary on it. So uh, if you would, Mark, just read verse 11 to start with. Okay.
1: Revelation 13, 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon.
0: Okay, so as another, in Greek it means uh, another of the same kind. So he's just like the first beast, uh, but he's he's a little different. There's there's some different things about him, but he's the same uh, ferocious character. Um, notice this beast comes from the earth. Where did the first beast come from? The sea. This could be a clue to his ethnicity. Um, The sea is often tied to uh, the Gentiles. So the false prophet here, this second beast, he may very well be a Jew. I'm not dogmatic on it, but the land is often, or the earth is often uh, symbolic of Israel. Now if you notice, this, uh, this beast, he's got two horns, but no crowns. So he's a religious figure, but he's not a political figure. That's the horn denotes uh, the crown, denotes political power. Notice his appearances as a lamb. Well, who else appears as a lamb? Christ. So he's a counterfeit. And we know this because even though he looks like a lamb, he talks like what? A dragon. And who is the dragon? Satan. He's also identified by uh, in three other places. As the false prophet, um, Mark, you want to read those verses off of the uh, board there. Revelation eleven, excuse me, sixteen, thirteen.
1: All right, Revelation sixteen, thirteen, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet.
0: Okay, so he's identified as a false prophet there. Uh, Now, chapter 19, verse 20.
1: All right, 19, verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone.
0: Okay. And then finally, chapter 20, verse 10.
1: Okay. Chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever.
0: Okay. So we've got an unholy trinity. We've got uh, the Satan is the dragon. The the, uh, the beast and then the false prophet. So it's a counterfeit of the Trinity. All right, let's go back to chapter 13 now. And mark if you read verse
1: 12. All right, Revelation 13, verse 12. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed.
0: Okay. So, uh, this beast is relating to the first beast in the same fashion that the, the Holy Spirit relates to Jesus Christ. And uh, he's, he has the equal authority as the first beast, but he refuses worship and directs only to the beast. Uh, This is not in my notes, but let's go to the Gospel of John. And uh, just hold your place in Revelation. We're not going to do a ton of flipping today, but let's see. I want to say John 16, maybe. Okay, John 16, yeah, Gospel of John. And Mark, if you will read verses 12 through 15. This is the Upper Room Discourse, by the way, where Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit. All
1: right, John sixteen twelve through 15. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you.
0: All right. So the Holy Spirit does not draw attention to himself. If you want to know if something is a real move of God or not, always look at who's getting the glory. If the preacher's getting the glory, it's not of God. If there's an overemphasis, and I want to be careful on this, if there's an overemphasis on the Holy Spirit, that can be a counterfeit. I'm not saying it is. It could be. The Holy Spirit will always point people to Jesus Christ. Always. So the true measure of any move of God or proposed move of God is is the name of Jesus Christ being lifted up. And if it is, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's a a good way. And that's going to be important because what we're going to find is that a signs and wonders movement is coming to planet Earth, uh, uh, coming to a city near you. All right, let's go back to Revelation 13 again. Now, it's interesting... That this, this second beast, he's not drawing any attention to himself, is he? He's directing it all to the first beast. He's mimicking the Holy Spirit is what he's doing. Um, now, it's interesting here. It says he exercises his authority only in the presence of the first beast. So he's not working independently. Do You see what I'm saying here? He's not off doing miracles anywhere else. He only does miracles in the sight of the first beast. That's the only way he's able to exercise his authority. Uh, interesting that Satan's kingdom's not divided, right? God's kingdom often is, but Satan's not. And it makes you wonder, too, if there's a, a lack of trust there, uh, that he doesn't allow, he's, he's got him on a short leash, so to speak. I heard Dr. Andy Woods, he, he said that these two guys are like a late night uh, talk show. Uh, how many of you remember Johnny Carson? That's back when late night TV was actually funny. Um, some of those old clips are hilarious, by the way, but... Um, think of the first beast as Johnny Carson. And think of the second beast as Ed McMahon. Of all the things that we know Ed McMahon for, and we know him for the sweepstakes, right, Publisher's Clearinghouse, but there's one phrase in particular that we know that Ed McMahon was famous for saying. What was it? Here's Johnny. Johnny. (laughs) So think of the false prophet this way. There's the first beast, okay? He's not there um, to, to, to toot his own horn, so to speak. Now, we're told again that the beast's deadly wound was healed, okay? So, the miraculous recovery is emphasized. Uh, we're told also that he's going to come from the uh, abyss. All right. Mark,
1: would
0: you read verse 13 now? 13, 13. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Threw me for a loop there.
1: 13, 13. <laughs> All right. Revelation 13, 13, and he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men.
0: Okay, so he's doing great wonders. Now, these are not, even though we're talking about a counterfeit uh, Christ or counterfeit beast, these are real miracles, and uh, you need to be uh, aware of that because uh, there's a level of seduction that's coming to this planet that you and I, have, we can't even fathom, right? We live in an era, we live in a, a time period where even the church doesn't believe in miracles, okay? Uh, y'all got quiet on me, but, but it's the truth. But there's a miracle, uh, signs and wonders movement coming to the planet Earth. And go, go with me to 2 Thessalonians now. And Paul predicts this, he describes the nature of this, this ministry here. And I know we've got it on the board here, but I'm going to get Mark to read it for the sake of our uh, Facebook audience and our uh, podcast. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 9 through
1: 11. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 11. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. You
0: notice when you refuse the truth, you become open to deception. So the more you reject the truth, the more you're susceptible to the wiles of the devil and his, uh, uh, his trickery. Now... The, phrase, the, the words there, power, signs, and lying wonders. Look with me in Acts chapter 2 now. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter is describing the ministry of Jesus Christ. Acts 2, 22. Would you read that, Mark?
1: Acts 2, 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know.
0: Exact same phrasing, same Greek words. And uh, so he's a counterfeit of Jesus Christ. All right, uh, let's go to Revelation thirteen fourteen now.
1: All right, Revelation 13, verse 14. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, they that should make an image of the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live.
0: Okay, so there's an image to the beast now. The Greek word for image is icon. So think about a statue. Um, this is the abomination of desolation, I do believe. That is predicted. Daniel 12, 11. Did you read that, Mark?
1: Daniel twelve eleven, and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be 1,290 days.
0: All right, now we're accustomed to seeing 1,260 days, but apparently it takes an extra 30 days to cleanse the temple of this abomination of desolation. Jesus also spoke about that in Matthew 24, verse 15.
1: All right, Matthew twenty four fifteen. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand.
0: So evidently, at the midpoint of the tribulation period, there's going to be this image in the holy of holies, this icon, this statue, um, and and this is very reminiscent of what Nebuchadnezzar did in, uh, is it chapter three of Daniel, very reminiscent. Uh, when he, uh, he he puts this golden statue and he commands everybody to worship the statue to bow down and there was three Hebrew boys that refused to bow down. What were their names Very good, very good and that was actually their Babylonian names. How many of you remember their Hebrew names? you know i can 't remember them right now myself, <laughs> so you could just tell me anything and i wouldn 't know any different. But anyway, but there's a pattern here too. There's a pattern. Uh, I don't want to go too much down this rabbit trail. But the, the rapture is, the pre-trib rapture is prefigured all throughout the, the scriptures. And uh, we see it in, uh, in Enoch. Enoch is removed prior to the flood. Noah is preserved through the flood. Enoch is removed prior to the flood. Uh, think about the story of Joseph. Uh, Joseph's going to interpret Pharaoh's dream, right? There's seven years of famine. Before the seven years of famine, Joseph marries a Gentile bride and then she vanishes from the story. These are, these are not ironclad arguments by themselves, but the typology is amazing. Think about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? I believe that these three characters are reminiscent of the Jewish people being preserved through the tribulation period. Okay? But there's somebody that's notably absent in Daniel chapter 3. And who is it? It's Daniel. Daniel is in all the chapters, you know, of the book. But you get to chapter 3, Daniel's nowhere to be found. Why is that? It's because typologically, Daniel is a picture of the church that's been removed on the assignment from the king. And those three Hebrew boys are preserved through the, the tribulation, so to speak. All right, let's go back to Revelation 13, verse 15.
1: All right, verse 15. And he had power to give life into the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship, the image of the beast should be killed.
0: Well, that's terrifying, isn't it? Apparently the statue has power uh, to do this. Now, there are some people that say, well, this is just going to be artificial intelligence. I don't think so. Because I don't think anybody will be fooled by that. Do you? I mean, we see that now. I think it's going to be a real talking statue. Um, Psalm 115. Mark, would you read verses 4 and 5 off the board there?
1: Psalm 115, verses 4 and 5. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not.
0: All throughout the scripture, God makes note of the fact that idols are dumb they don't speak they don't breathe but this one is different isn't it this one speaks and uh it's alive how about psalm 135 verses 15 and 16
1: psalm 135 verses 15 and 16 the idols of the heathen are silver and gold the work of men's hands they have mouths but they speak not eyes have they but they see not
0: okay so again Idols in the Bible are pictures being dumb, unable to speak or breathe. But this image, uh, back to uh, Revelation 13, says that uh, the, the false prophet gives life, uh, life to the, the image of the beast. The Greek word is actually breath, pneuma, or spirit. Uh, normally Satan can't do this, this kind of stuff. But the Bible says that it was given to him. Do you see that? It's given to him. All right, how about Revelation 13, verse 16 now?
1: All right, Revelation 13, verse 16. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads.
0: All right. So here we see all aspects of society are, um, are affected here. Notice he said it calls us all. Is that what your Bible says? Yes. The small, the great, the rich, and the poor. That kind of reads like a wedding vow or something, doesn't it? But it, it's encompassing everybody. The great equalizer. I want you to think about this. Those of you who live to make money, those of you, your, your ambition in life is just to accumulate as much money as you, you can accumulate at some point your money won't do you any good. Now, there's nothing wrong with having money as long as money doesn't have you, okay? It's not a sin to be rich. It's a sin to love money. But if your ambition in life is just to have as much money, you're in for a dreadful time because this is going to be something that money won't help you with. It's a cashless society. Um... Another counterfeit's going on here. God's no respecter of persons, neither is the devil. All, he causes all to receive. Now notice uh, Satan is trying to counterfeit the mark here. Um, He's marking all of his believers, isn't he? Go with me to Revelation 7. This should be familiar to you. We've already seen this. Revelation 7, Mark, would you read verses 1 through 4?
1: Yes, Revelation 7, verses 1 through 4. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow the earth, nor on the sea, nor any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given. To hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads, and I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel.
0: Mm -mm -mm. God sealed or put his mark on one hundred and forty four thousand of these Jewish evangelists. Now, I'm going to preview what I'm going to preach next week. I'm not going to preach it next week's sermon yet, though. Aren't you saying praise God? Okay. Go to chapter 14. I want you to see something. Oh, glory. I might shout. I might. Mark, would you read verse 1?
1: And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. And with him a hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads.
0: Mount Zion, This I believe this is the earthly Mount Zion, where Jesus Christ is coming to rule and to reign for a thousand years. He's standing, now this is a proleptic scene, okay? He's looking into the future and seeing it as if it were already certain. And the Lamb is there, standing victorious in opposition to the beast. All the earth dwellers are worshiping the beast, but... John now sees on Mount Zion the Lamb standing, and there's a group that's with him. And who are they? It's not 139,000. Oh, you're not getting what I'm saying here. Every one of those that God started to work in, he finished it with them. Not a one of them is lost. And the same is true of you and I. God's holding us, and the one who started a good work in us, he will be faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ and to present us faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not as excited as I am, but that's okay. I'm no stranger to disappointment. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, let's go. Back. Okay, I'm not done here with this. Now, this mark denotes a stamp or a uh, a mark here it will probably most certainly be be visible because the beast is not omnipresent okay so he can't be in all places and so he's going to have to have his gestapo or whatever to identify those who don't have a mark and uh and that's going to be a dreadful thing it'll be visible it'll be at the midpoint of the tribulation period so anything that comes down the pike right now it's not the mark of the beast I remember when they were forcing everybody to take the vaccines, and people were worried about that. Listen, this happens at the midpoint of the tribulation period, and we're not there. Not by any means are we there. And it's not something you'll take by accident. It's not like, oops, I just took the mark of the beast. It's going to be something that is done in worship, paying allegiance and homage homage to the beast. Okay, And it'll be done uh, fully. You'll be fully aware of what you're doing. And it is the one sin in the tribulation period for which there is no forgiveness. It's it's you're you're unredeemable, at that point. <laughs> now look, I'm not going to stand up here and preach against tattoos. I got people in my family that have them, and I love them dearly. But 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 something is interesting. I think that, that this idea of putting marks on our body and such that when I was a little kid, <clears throat> when I was a little kid, nobody had tattoos except for people in biker gangs or or military. Uh, And I went to the beach not too long ago. And uh, I took my shirt off. I'm sorry for that mental image. Get it out. Get it out. Get out, devil. Get behind me, right? And I was amazed. I was like the only dude under 50 that didn't have any tattoos. Now, that doesn't mean I'm any holier than anybody that's got one, okay? I'm just saying, I just find it's it's interesting to me that now it's almost weird if you don't have one, right? Right? because we are being conditioned, I believe, to where it 's not going to be any big de- the point i 'm trying to make is the mark of the beast ain 't going to be no big deal it 's going to be like hey we 're already used to doing all this stuff it 's going to be so convenient for me i 'm tired of carrying my wallet around i 'm tired of losing my you know having to remember my numbers and all this stuff. Just give me a thing and i 'll just get on with it and they 'll line up in droves they 'll line up in droves to do it all right back to uh, 13, verse 17.
1: Revelation 13, verse 17. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name.
0: All right. So this is a cashless society. It's a one-world religion, and it's a one-world government. And without this mark, you will not be able to do one thing. You won't be able to buy gas, health care, food, water, or anything. And, uh, and I know some of you are saying, well, I, you know, I, I could tough it out. What about your baby, though? What if your baby was starving? How, you, you know, it would be a tremendous pressure if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't plan to be here, by the way. You know, so why don't we just praise God for a moment that we don't have to deal with this. Thank you, Jesus. Because this is is unprecedented stuff here, guys. It's advanced technology, or maybe a a lot of people believe it might be a biometric tattoo. Um, Something easily, easily implanted. And by the way, that technology has already been developed. Uh, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole this morning, but if you want to do some research, Google Google stuff like that. And you'll see that they're already developing this kind of thing. Uh, around the world, this is advanced technology. This is not the stuff of Star Trek and Buck Rogers. This is this is where we are. And the younger people are like, "Who's Buck Rogers?" <laughs> right? <laughs> Keep showing my age this morning. Okay. This, yeah, he was before me, but um, this this is tantamount to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's the it, you can't be forgiven. Revelation 14, verses 9 and 10. Would you read that off the board, Mark?
1: Revelation 14, verses 9 and 10. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb.
0: All right, this is no laughing matter, guys. This is serious business. Uh, If anybody takes this mark, they are doomed. Uh, And and this torment is forever. They're not going to be annihilated. They're going to be tormented forever. Okay. Revelation 13, verse 18.
1: All right, Revelation 13, verse 18. Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six.
0: All right, people that don't know anything about the Bible are familiar with this. There's a lot of fascination and conjecture about it. Now, God says that this is going to take wisdom, so it's something that the people who are alive during this time period, they're going to be able to figure it out. So, but it's going to take putting their thinking caps on. Six is the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, it's interesting, uh, the dimensions of his statue in Daniel three one are 666. 6, 6. So the typology is all throughout the Bible. Um, how many of you have heard of gematria or gematria? A few of you probably have. But in Hebrew and, and a lot of other languages it's the idea that a letter represents a number. Um, like maybe like in our alphabet, like A would be one, B would be two, and that kind of thing. And so apparently the people will be able to use the, this formula, this gematria probably, to calculate the, the identity of the beast. <clears throat> now right now, trying to figure out who the beast is, is not, it's, it's, it's wasting your time. Because we, we're not going to have any, any clue who he is. Um, it's fun to think about, I guess, but uh, it's, not, it's not fruitful in any way. This, is, this And people say, well, why is that in the Bible if it's not for us? Well, hello, there's going to be people alive during this time period. They, and they're going to need this information. Okay? <laughs> not everything is specifically for you in the Bible. All right, let's uh, read verse 19. Or was that it? I'm sorry, that was it. You said, <laughs> Inner What What Bible have you got? <laughs> That's in the book of I Say So. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I went too far. All right. I'm going to tell you why we're not supposed to be speculating on the identity of the Antichrist. Now, now here's what I do believe. And uh, I was talking with somebody about it a few days ago. I believe in every generation, Satan has his man waiting in the wings. Because he doesn't know when the rapture is. And so he's got to be ready. You know? So do I believe the Antichrist is alive on the earth? Yeah, I believe he is. Um, don't know where he is. And keep in mind, there may be an interval of time between the rapture and the tribulation period starting. And the more I think about it, the more I, I, I can actually see this. Think about when the rapture happens, guys. I mean, I know there's more unbelievers than believers, but we're still talking about millions of people missing, okay? Possibly planes flying out of, falling out of the sky, cars being unmanned. And I'm not talking about Teslas. You know, I'm talking about, uh, you know, cars crashing everywhere people desperately looking for their loved ones so i don't see israel signing a peace treaty the same day of the rapture i just to me there's going to be such chaos and confusion that we're not going to have all these dignitaries sitting out at the table hammering out a peace plan that's just that's me okay you believe what you want to i know some of the movies say as soon as the rapture happens then the antichrist signs the covenant and that's okay if you want to believe that i believe there could be an interval of time possibly days weeks months or even years the signing of the covenant is what starts the tribulation, not the rapture. Okay? And if you, if you remember in our studies earlier, there are events that take place in heaven in chapters 4 and 5 before the seals are opened. Okay? We're already in heaven in chapter 4, the 24 elders, and there are things happening prior to the opening of the seals. So just, I just, that's just food for thought. Okay, But it might also explain... Because I know some people say, well, this has got to happen, and this has got to happen, and this has got to happen. Look, God can work all that out while we're out of here. So don't think to yourself, well, there's no temple. Jesus is not coming back today. Hey, that could happen after we're gone. There's no ten-nation confederacy. That could happen after we're gone. Okay? God only knows. But, But here's my point. The point is, we are never told to look for Antichrist. We're always told to look for Jesus Christ. Always. We are never told to look for Antichrist. It's interesting to me that you don't even get any information about this guy until chapter 13. Why is that? It's because the church has already had its assignment fulfilled and they're gone. Okay? Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, Mark, would you read verses 6 through 8?
1: 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 6 through 8. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming.
0: I mean, it couldn't be any clearer, I don't think. Paul is saying there is coming a man of sin. He's going to stand in the temple in the Holy of Holies. He's going to proclaim himself to be God. There's going to be lying signs and wonders. But, but, but something is keeping him from starting his program. What is that? It's the Holy Spirit in the church. Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Holy Ghost in the church is, is keeping the Antichrist at bay. Notice in that, in that verse up there, it says, He may be revealed in his time. This ain't his time. This ain't his time. He can't show up unannounced. Unannounced. It's not like a barber shop, you know, where walk-ins are welcome. He can't, just, he can't just barge in and start his program. The Holy Ghost in the church is restraining all of this evil. I mean, think about it, guys. If, if all of a sudden a guy came in, stood in the Holy of Holies, and said, I'm God, would any true Christian believe that garbage? No. No. So, you, you got to understand, this is for that time period... Um, And not before then. All right, last slide. You say, well, you're out of verses. Yeah, but I'm not out of slides. All right. What you have to understand is that during this time period, this is truly unprecedented. We're not used to having political leaders rise from the dead. I mean, can you imagine if JFK, you know, after he had been mortally wounded, if he had come back from the dead, what would have happened? I, the whole world would have gone after him, right? I mean, he's still popular. But just imagine, this guy's going to come back from the dead. And I believe it's a real miracle. You say, well, I don't think the devil could create anything. Understand this, that in this moment in time, God is allowing to do Satan to do things he's never done before. You say, well, I don't believe that. I'll prove it to you. The Bible says that the false prophet called down fire from heaven. Did you read that? Do you remember when Elijah was at Mount Carmel and he challenged the prophets of Baal? Do you remember that at that time Satan couldn't call down fire from heaven? Are you with me? Am I preaching the truth? So what I'm trying to get you to understand here is that in this time period, which is not the church age, this time period, which is Daniel's 70th week, that Satan is allowed to do things that normally he wouldn't be able to do, including calling fire down from heaven and bringing back the beast from the abyss. Okay? This is a time of unrestrained, unparalleled deception. Matthew 24, when the disciples came to Jesus, Jesus said, they're on the Mount of Olives, and there's only four of them, Peter, uh, James, John, and who who was the fourth one? Come on, guys. Starts with an A. -a 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 Andrew was on the tip of your tongue. Mount of Olives. And Jesus says, the temple's going to be destroyed. Not one stone is going to be left upon another. And they they connected the dots. They understood that the destruction of the temple was synonymous with the coming of the Lord. And they said, Lord, when is this going to happen? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And you know the first thing that Jesus said unto them? He said, take heed that no man deceive you. Before he starts talking about anything else, the first thing he says is take heed that no man deceive you because deception is going to be the order of the day. He says, take heed that no man deceive you. He says, for many shall come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, I'm the anointed one, and shall deceive many. Matthew 24:11. And false prophets, plural, shall arise, and shall deceive many. Matthew 24:23. This is three times in the Olivet discourse. When God says something one time, listen to him. When he says it twice, pay attention. When he says it three times, he is hammering a point home. In verse 23, Then if any man say unto you, Lo, here's Christ, or there, don't believe it. For there shall arise false Christs, and a false prophet. False prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. They're real miracles. Jesus says they're miracles. In so much that if it were possible, and it's not, thank God. But if it were possible, this is how convincing they would be. They would deceive the very elect. And I want to tell you folks, this world is about ripe for a man like this to come on the scene. Because we live in an age where people will, will, will believe almost anything other than the truth. They'd rather believe that man came from a, a monkey than to believe that God created heaven heavens and the earth. They would look for life on Mars and not realize life in the womb of a mother. They can recognize life on one place but not another. Okay? They would believe anything. They would believe that nothing just exploded, and then all of a sudden, you got a universe. And they believe that. And yet, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, he came to earth. He died on a cross. He was buried. And he literally rose on the third day in a glorified body. So why is it that they worship this guy, but they won't worship Jesus Christ? Well, it's real simple. Jesus Christ is a holy God. This man is a man of sin. He's going to tell everybody what they want to hear. He's going to, he's going to feed them one lie after another. Anarchy and chaos will be the order of the day. All of the cries to defund the police and all this nonsense, that comes straight from the Antichrist spirit. And if you've been listening, some of these cities now are begging for law enforcement to come back. Some of these big cities where shoplifting and loitering and looting and, and all that violence is taking place. It's so crazy, is Now they're begging the police to come. Well, well, guess what? When you preach lawlessness, don't be surprised when you get lawlessness. When you don't want order, don't be surprised when you get chaos. When you don't want truth, don't be surprised when the devil fools you. Now, I want you to think about this. Satan was able to convince Adam and Eve to sin before they even had a sin nature. Think about that. He was able to get them to sin. They were in paradise. But he was so cunning... And so subtle and so convincing that he got them to sin even before they had a sin nature. Now, I sin because I have a sin nature. And you do too. Adam and Eve didn't have a sin nature. And yet, in paradise, Satan convinced them to sin. In heaven, we've already read about this, Satan was able to convince a third of the angels To fall. So don't think for a minute that you're going to outfox him. Oh, I'm just going to get through this on my own. He won't get me. No, 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 no. See, the problem is you're you're facing a double obstacle. Not only are you going to have the devil deceiving you, but the Bible says because you have rejected the truth that God himself will send strong delusion so that you will believe the lie. What is the lie? Well, Uh, I don't think the lie is that he came back from the dead. I believe that he really did. You know what I believe the lie is? And this is just Henry's opinion, and we'll close with this. I think that the the devil is going to offer the people the same thing he offered Adam and Eve in the garden. I believe he's going to tell them, if you take the mark of the beast, you'll live forever. He's counterfeited everything to this point, hasn't he? He's counterfeited the father. The dragon's counterfeited the father. The beast has uh, counterfeited the son. The false prophet has counterfeited the Holy Spirit. He's counterfeited the mark, the ceiling of the 144,000. He's counterfeited that. And what we're going to find is that I believe he's going to offer them that they're going to live forever if they take. That's what he offered Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God, you'll share in divinity. And I believe that'll be the same thing that he pushes on these people. And these people are so deceived. And remember, he's come back from the dead. So obviously, he must have the power to do that kind of thing, and they'll grant their allegiance to him. But what they will discover is that instead of eternal life, what they're going to have is eternal torment. And they're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire where there's no rest, not day or night. And I'm going to tell you what, that's not just for the people in the tribulation period. That's for anybody in this room, anybody that's listening on Facebook, Anybody that's listening on this podcast, if you reject Jesus Christ, God's Son, you have nowhere else to go but the lake of fire when all is said and done. I'm going to tell you what, we've had some hot days this summer, haven't we? I mean, it's been a hot one, I'll tell you. But I'll tell you what, it's nothing compared to what the torment of hell is going to be like. Imagine being in hell forever, burning, with no relief, not even a drink of water on your tongue, being separated from all things that you love, any comfort, any pleasure. the most. Think about the most awful, horrible nightmare that you've ever had, and it'll be a million times over that. No release. No release. No end. Forever separated from God. You say, well, Henry, you ought not talk that way. Well, that's in your Bible. Everything I know about hell, I learned from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Everything that I heard about the lake of fire, I learned from the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation. You don't want to go there. The good news, let's close with the good news. The good news is, there's not one person in this room or listening to this broadcast that has to go to the lake of fire. Not one person. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how many millions of mistakes you've made. Not one person is ever going to get to heaven because of their good works. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Christ Jesus, God's only begotten Son, came to this world. He lived the perfect life that you and I could never do on our best day. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He was crucified. He really died. And He died for the sins of the whole world, but I believe He would have died just for you if it was just for you. If it was nobody but you, I believe Christ would have come and died for you. Jesus died for you. God so loved the world, and that world is you. That he gave his only son, that whosoever, I'm a whosoever, there are no exceptions. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, and that perishing is talking about the lake of fire here, but have eternal life. A life that lasts forever, joy unspeakable, and full of glory. A place of no sickness, no death, no crying. The formal things will not be remembered. Would you stand? I believe the Holy Spirit has given us an invitation here today, so I won't belabor the point. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come receive Him today. Christian, if you're not on fire for God, if you're playing games, let's get in the altar and say, God, revive me afresh and anew.